something. So, so um, I do. What I want to do this morning is I want to give you the the solution or the end or the the punchline for the whole course. Okay. So if you're here this morning, you don't need to come. No, you should. You still come to the course. We'll talk about all kinds of details. If you if I raise some questions here, maybe we'll get some of the uh, some of the details uh, on the weekend. But I want to begin. Um, I want to get, so Romans, we're talking about Romans chapter 9 to 11, where he asks specific questions about God's promise and commitment to Israel, and if Christ saves everyone, then what about Israel? That question gets addressed really specifically in chapter 9 to 11, and it's, it, starts, it starts with um, mourning for the lostness of Israel. It ends with praise for the redemption that we have in Christ, that the that God is glorified. It starts with asking the question, then, who is God's people? And, uh, and the question, or where he makes a statement right in the beginning of chapter 9, say, not all Israel is Israel. And by the end of the, the chapter 11, he's declaring that all Israel is saved. Okay, so, so he's, he asks that question directly. And right in the middle, he gives you the solution. You know, it, it starts and ends, and right in the middle, he tells you what this is about, and he's going to tell you that it's about Jesus, which is which is which is exactly the way he, he, you'll say it all the way through the book of Romans. So I'm going to read uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 4 through 13. And I want to ask you to stand up as I read this section. Romans 10, verse 4 through 13. And once we finish reading this, I want to go back to the beginning of the book of Romans and lay out some of the things he'll be speaking to, but you'll see that this is core. Romans 10, verse 4. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes of the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who performs them will live by them. But the righteousness based on faith speaks like this. Do not say in your heart, who will go up into heaven that is to bring Christ down? Or who will descend to the abyss, to hell, that is to bring Christ up from the dead? But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. For the scripture says whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray. Lord, as we look into the book of Romans, as we look into this section in, in Romans chapter 10, may we find our place in the history of your salvation and may we, find, uh, may we find our hearts worshiping the Christ who has opened the door for us that we could be your children. So guide us, Lord, teach us, uh, open the doors uh, to understanding, and open our hearts to praise. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, so when, when, I get into, when I get into any passage of Scripture, any section of scripture, I want to know that I've understood that section in the context of the whole. So 
for me, it's important when you're reading a novel that you, that you read the introduction and you read the conclusion because the introduction is going to tell you these are the main characters, this is what you're supposed to look for when you read this, and, and then the conclusion is going to say, did you notice these things, right? Uh, and then there's a turning point somewhere in the book. I learned that in English class. If you, you read the introduction, this is for grade sixers, don't listen. Uh, when you hear the... Uh, you read the introduction, you read the conclusion, and you kind of know what to look for in the book, right? But it tell, it, and you hear the same thing in a sermon. There should be an introduction. A good sermon would have that, right? Introduction. Think about these things. This is, these are the questions I want to address in the sermon. And then at the end, did you get it? Did you get the point, right? So in the introduction of Romans, Paul's gonna, he's going to give us um, an introduction in the first five verses. I want to read this. Romans 1, verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. This is Romans 1, verse 2 now. Uh, which, the gospel of God, which God promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, in the Old Testament, concerning his son, who was born a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles in behalf of his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. So to all who are beloved in, of God in Rome, call the saints, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Just a, a few thoughts there. When, when you're in this book, when you get into debate about anything that's going on in the book of Romans, Look for this. This is my presentation of the gospel, the good news. It is, uh, this gospel was promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Paul's going to do that a few times in this book. He's going to remind you that what I'm giving you here is not a new idea. It's not a new religion. This has been promised beforehand through God's prophets in the Holy Scriptures. And when Paul's reading Scripture, he's reading the Old Testament. So he's read, he's read the Old Testament. He's going to quote it many times in this book. He'll quote it again and again because he's talking to Jews and Gentiles and he's saying it's not a new idea. This was God's idea from the beginning. He's going to, he's going to use lots of examples of Abraham. Abraham's going to get a whole chapter in this book because you've got to know how was Abraham declared righteous. That's important. So he's going to keep going back to that, to those scriptures. So this was promised beforehand. And here's the gospel. The gospel, verse 3, concerns his son. The gospel is about Jesus. He's going to make that clear right off the hop. And what, what about his son? Number one, he was born a descendant of David according to the flesh. Descendant of David, what does that mean? He's the king. He's the king. He's born to be the king. Second thing, you need the king over God's people. Second thing you need to know is he was declared, verse 4, he was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So he was born to be king and he died and rose again and he became king. He was born to be king and he is king because he defeated the devil himself and he reigns and he is Jesus Christ and that's why we call him Jesus Christ. Christ our Lord, Jesus the Savior, Christ the Messiah, and we call him Lord. We submit to him. Paul introduces himself as Paul, a slave, how does he say? A, a slave of Christ Jesus. He's my Lord. So in chapter 6 when he talks about you, you, you're all a slave, quit being a slave to sin, be a slave to righteousness, be a slave to Christ, 
That's Paul's introduction. I'm slave to Christ. That's who I am. Because he is my Lord. He was born to be king. He is king. He rose from the dead to be king. And he is my Lord. And I submit to him. So in this book, you're going to find the gospel. And the gospel is about Jesus. So don't be surprised if when you're, you're in a conversation, you're asking questions about Israel or about sin or about righteousness or about anything else, that the answer is going to come back to Jesus. Uh, and he's going to preach this gospel. And in verse 5, it says, We have received grace and apostleship in order to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles in behalf of his name. So he's going beyond Israel off to the Gentiles. He's opening the door, and, and uh, the Gentiles also can come in. But he's looking for the obedience of faith. He's, he says it right here. I'm going to preach Jesus. And if you get the message, it's going to bring about faith, a faith that is obedient, a faith that obeys God. So Jesus said, uh, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them, and teach them to obey. And, and we, we, we there too, we t tend to put law and grace one against each other. We say, okay, now we're by grace, so we shouldn't obey the law anymore. We should become sinners so that we can be saved. The more we sin, the more God's grace abounds, right? You, you heard that? Get careful. Uh, in the end, if you, heard, if you get the message of Romans, it will bring about the obedience of faith. Faith and obedience are going to come together, okay? And so he says, then he, he says, grace to you and peace. That's an interesting one because grace is the Greek word charis for, for Greek people. And then peace, grace and peace. What, what's the, the peace word? You, you know another peace word? If it comes out of the Old Testament. How do Jews greet each other? Shalom. Peace. Grace to you, Gentiles. Shalom to my Hebrew, my Jewish brothers. We're in this thing together. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good. Uh, so that's the introduction. We're gonna, we should see Jesus in this book. Uh, it, we should see Jesus as the solution, as the answer to our questions in this book. Verse 16 and 17 is a theme statement for the book. Uh, verse 16, chapter 1, verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Again, talking about the gospel, the good news. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous one will live by faith. Maybe you heard the word faith here, okay? No, I, I noticed that the word Jesus wasn't in there. Here's a theme statement. Um, so it's salvation. The, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. To everyone who believes by faith, from faith, to faith, and by faith. So faith, faith, faith. We're apparently we're supposed to believe. Apparently Paul thinks we're supposed to believe, and you'll see it in the book of Romans, that the faith keeps coming up. Chapter 4 is all about faith, nothing else. Jesus doesn't even show up in the chapter. It's just now I'm talking about you, and you're supposed to believe. So you'll see that again and again, from faith to faith. And it's for everyone who believes to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. When he says everyone, uh, in Paul's, so when, when we talk about everyone, we talk about sinners and, and nice people and, and everyone else. We talk about uh, people who live north and south and east and west. We talk everybody. Paul talks everyone. He's talking specifically about not just Jews, but also Gentiles, or not just Gentiles, but also Jews, but the Jews first and then also the Greek. And so uh, in chapter, the end of chapter 1, you'll see is sinners, horrible sinners. And then you'll see in chapter 2, he's talking to the Jews who are also sinners. And then in chapter 3, you'll say, we're all sinners. And so all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God because, again, there's no distinction. 
Uh, so then they'll ask the question, so what advantage is there to being a Jew or a Greek? Well, we all sin and we throw away our advantages. You get this advantage, God gives you the word of God. You don't read the thing, you lost your advantage. And so, so now what? Now where do we go from here? So all those questions, but you're going to see two things in the book. You're going to see in the introduction, it's about Jesus. And in the theme statement, you're going to see it's about faith. Jesus and faith. We're going to keep coming back to these things. Chapter 3. Uh, so chapter 1 to 3 talks about our sin and how badly or desperately we need a Savior. Chapter 3, uh, yeah, we were so sinful, there's, we have nothing unless God's going to step in from outside and, and redeem us. So chapter 3, verse 21, this I'd call the heart of the book of Romans. Uh, here's the, the answer. If you memorize anything in the book of Romans, it would be this or that piece I read in chapter 10. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So again, he's reminding you, this isn't a new idea. So this isn't the law saving you, but this isn't against the law that you know. Okay, that's important. You need to know that. So apart from the law, uh, the righteousness of God has been revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. It is the righteousness of God, and it is through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. Again, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know that verse. You know that includes you and me. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in Christ's blood through faith. I'll stop there, but you'll see here in the solution statement, so we're all sinners, we're going to need help, so what's the solution? God's going to offer his righteousness because you ain't got none, okay? And he's going to offer to you through Christ, in Christ and by faith. He's going to offer Christ to be the sacrifice of atonement for you, and you're going to believe it. That's, that's how this thing's going to go. So that's, that's his, his statement there. Now I want to come to, chapter, come to chapter 10. So in chapter 9, verse 1, chapter 9, verse 1, Paul, uh, well, you come to the end of chapter 8, <laughs> end of chapter 8 is another one of your favorite passages of Scripture because it says, what can separate us from the love of Christ, which is, nothing can separate, neither tribulation nor up or down or anything. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. We love that passage. So he's settled it. He settled it. You're a sinner. You can be saved. Uh, Christ died for your sins. He has paid the atonement. You need to believe in him. You, you're saved. And you have the security. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we celebrate. And so the chapter 8 ends with this great celebration. And you come to chapter 9, and you notice the, the attitude changes. Chapter 9, verse 1. Listen. I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. He, listen to me, he's saying. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my countrymen, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites. Uh, that's heartbreaking. So all, he's just finished celebrating this hope that we all have in Christ, and then his heart starts breaking when he realizes that he's got all these Jewish brothers, the Israelites he calls them here, Jewish brothers who are lost. And, and he, it hurts him so deeply, and he feels this so, so honestly. It's, this, isn't, uh, this isn't just him uh, feeling bad for them for a little moment. This is him deep 
evaluation of what's going on with my brothers, the Israelites, they're lost. If I could be cursed, separated from Christ, for their sake, I'd do it. Okay. Okay. That runs deep. If I could go to hell, that they could go to heaven, that they could know the resurrection of Christ, I'd do it. He's a deep sense of pain for the lostness of Israel. And, uh, and so, so in this section, verse, uh, and then he'll start asking some questions. So, so what happened to Israel? What happened to the promise? How come they're lost at this moment? Uh, verse 6, it is, it is not as though the word of God has failed, has it? Did the promise of God fail? Those are the questions he's asking in chapter 9. Another question in verse 14. There's no injustice with God, is there? Is God unjust? He made a promise. Did he not keep it? Is God unjust? He asked the question. Of course, his answer will be far from it. In Plautich, we'd say, Zayalangnich. That, that, that would be a, an actually a, an excellent translation of this. Far from it. Don't even think of it as a possibility. So the answer is no. But he's ask, asking these questions. Uh, so he, he asked those kind of questions a few times. Chapter, chapter 11, verse 1, he asked the same question again. I say then, has God rejected his people? Has God rejected? What happened? Christ came. Has he rejected his people? And so he asked this question in chapter 9. He asks it in 11, chapter 11 again. The answer is in chapter 10. And so I just want to go through this passage that we, that we read out loud here. Uh, verse 4. Chapter 10, verse 4. I'm going to go through here. Uh, look at a few details here. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Jesus Christ is the end of the law for everyone who believes. So again, Christ and believing. Catch that? Those are the two things you'll see everywhere in the book of Romans. Christ and believing. Christ is the end of the law for everyone who believes. Um, Paul's concerned that we don't chuck the law. Have we, end of chapter 3, he'll say, have we abolished the law? No. We have established the law. Uh, I have this video that I plan to show next weekend where there's a Jew that says, um, that I read the, law, I read the New Testament, I was completely surprised, I read Isaiah 53, by his stripes we are healed, was completely surprised that ultimately, ultimately uh, Christ doesn't come to abolish the law but to fulfill it, that the most Jewish thing he as a Jew could do is to believe in the Jewish Messiah. Interesting thought, interesting thought. Christ is the end of the law for everyone who believes. The law isn't going to save you anymore. Actually never did. He's going to go back to that. That's what he's going to talk about in the first couple of chapters. The law never saved you, so let's put an end to thinking about the law saving us. Uh, second, he is the goal of the law. He is the fulfillment of the law. God, when God gave the law, it's, these are good ideas. He said, don't kill each other. I like that idea. Uh, walking down the street and not worrying somebody's going to kill me. I think that's a good thing. I, I, I don't think we should be fighting against the law. You know, this is the law. Thou shalt not commit adultery. You can't have my wife. Okay? I like that law. Right? So these are good things. God said... This is how thou shalt live. And these are good things. These are straight up good things. So it, it, is the law bad? Of course not. He, he said 11 times he says that line. Of course not. Don't, you can't think that way. Okay, he does that 11 times. Is, so is the law bad? Of course not. It, it was God's ideas. And this is how God wanted us to live. But uh, Christ fulfills the law. No, we never obeyed it. No, no, no Jew ever obeyed it. Nobody ever obeyed it. Right? Abraham, hero of faith. God's a sinner. David, hero of the faith, man after God's own heart, sinner. Adultery and murder. Hey, God, I want to build you a temple. No, David. Your hands are filled with blood. You're a murderer. You, it's going to be your son. Your son, his name is uh, 
Shalom. You know the guy. You know what Solomon means, right? He's the son of the king. He's the prince of peace. Shalom. That's his name. Okay, so here, see, this is, uh, this is interesting. We're sinners, and, but Christ is the one who fulfills the law, and we are fulfilled in the law by Christ Jesus. Okay, verse, uh, verse uh, 6. The righteousness based on faiths. Oh, hang on. Um, yeah, verse 6. The righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart, who will, raise, who will go up into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into hell, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. Okay? Well, what's that? that? That always seems weird to me. I read that a thousand times before it clicked. Actually, what you do is you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 30 and see that he's actually quoting Moses here. Some of the brand, great brand new ideas that Paul comes up with um, are Moses' ideas. <laughs> They're in the law, right? So you're circumcised, whoop-de-doo. Uh, circumcise your hearts. That's Moses. Paul quotes it, but that's Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 10. Circumcise your hearts. Uh, here, so uh, the righteousness based on faith does not say let's go up to heaven and bring Christ down. Let's go down to hell to bring Christ up. Okay? Uh, so it, and what he says in, what Moses says in Deuteronomy chapter 30 is not far away. It's not, you don't have to uh, go down to Mordor to try to find the ring to set yourself free. Okay? You don't have to go down to hell to find salvation. You don't have to go on this impossible mission. That would be works, right? That would be the works of the law. That's not how faith talks. It's, it's not far away. It's not hard for you to find. You're not going to have to exert yourself and do miraculous, like amazing things in order to find salvation. It's not far away. Verse 8, what does it say? Here's kind of a core of it. What does it say? It says the word is near you. This is Deuteronomy 30. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. And that is the word of faith which we are preaching. It's not works. It's not this amazing journey to Mordor, okay? This is... Um, this is, it's in your mouth, this is faith. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart, a person believes and with a, resulting in righteousness. With a mouth, he confesses resulting in salvation. Okay, interesting. It's not far away. You don't have to go across the sea somewhere to find salvation or to heaven or to hell. Christ has brought salvation down from heaven for you, and he's placed it right inside you, right, right in front of you and right inside you. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. He says it this way. If you, um, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, you heard, you heard that right in the beginning. Paul's saying, we call him Jesus Christ our Lord, and I'm his slave. That's the proclamation. Jesus Christ is Lord. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Because with a heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with a mouth, one confesses unto salvation. Do you catch that? Believe, you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you'll be saved. Because with a heart you believe, and with a mouth you confess. Now, uh, this is a revelation to me, again, because I'm reading this, and I think, I thought it was faith. I thought it was what you believe in your heart. But no, notice, he wants obedience of faith. 
He wants obedience and faith. He wants you to believe it in heart, say it in your mouth. Okay? Um, we, we tend to be, you know, I'll behave myself, I believe in God, but belief is a private matter. You don't need to hear about it. Okay? There's something here in this passage that tells, and when I read scripture, um, I don't throw away the things that I already knew, but I, I, when I read this scripture, I think, okay, you know, you're going to add something to what I understand. And this passage is telling me to say it a bit more. Confess with your mouth. If out of the fullness of your heart, your mouth speaks, and your mouth never says Jesus out loud, then there's not enough faith in your heart? Your neighbor should hear it once in a while. Jesus, confess with their mouth, believe in your heart, you'll be saved. So what if we believe in our heart and don't confess with their mouth? Uh, I, I wonder if this is why God says baptism. Uh, if you want to follow me, get baptized. Step out, get in the water, make it, make it public. Say it out loud, uh, get in the water. Uh, so there's something about that. So believe in your heart, but also confess with your mouth. And uh, so this is a challenge to me to say it more. Uh, and sometimes you doubt your salvation. Sometimes you have this private faith. You know when you've prayed and you've prayed and prayed silently and God's not answering your prayer and all of a sudden you get some, you're really desperate and you call some of your friends together and you pray out loud and all of a sudden God decides to hear? Has that happened to you? It has. One, one yes. <laughs> yeah, that happens. The first time I hear people pray out loud is a miracle moment because God steps down. Okay? I dare you to confess with your mouth the things you believe in your heart and see it come real. See it come real. Now all of a sudden questions arise and now you gotta start learning, okay? Good. Uh, so th I'm, I'm motivated from the scripture to say it a bit more, okay? Um, and then, then the last three verses here. The scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be, not be put to shame. For there's no distinction again between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is the Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. No distinction again. And he does that right in the middle of the section. Did God abandon the Jews? No, there's, there's no distinction. Christ and faith is the, is the answer to these questions. So there, there's more conversation around that question in chapter 9, in particularly in chapter 9 and 11. So we'll, we'll talk about that on the weekend. So come and join us for that conversation. But we don't have time to get into that now. Uh, but I want this last thing to ring in your minds. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's, and so we say, whoever, everyone. That's what he says. Uh, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The king, the Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes, everyone. So that's Jew and Greek. In this, in, in this room, in our part of the world, uh, we don't talk distinctions Jews and Greek. We talk other distinctions. You know, all kinds of other, rich and poor, right? Tall and short. Uh, you can have all of these conversations. Sinner, nice person. Uh, well, we're all sinners, but horrible sinners. How much have you sinned? Is, does, is, is God's grace enough for, for me? Chapter five, chapter five, verse 20. The law came in so that the offense would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Um, where sin grew, grace hyperabounded. That's Greek. You know that word hyper is Greek, actually. Okay? So if, if you've sinned, 
God can cover your sin. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I think there's, uh, there's somebody in every group who sits there and, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. Um, Paul would say, Christ came to die for sinners of whom I have chief. Why did he do that? As a demonstration that if God can save me, he can save you. Don't come to God saying, uh, not for you. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you're, if you're feeling overwhelmed in your heart with your own guilt, uh, I've been there. You know, you go to bed and you say, dear God, forgive all my sins. I promise I'll never do it again. And, except for Friday. <laughs> you know, you, you've been there. And then your heart's overwhelmed with this guilt. Bring it to Jesus. Call on the name of the Lord. Confess it. Come to him. Dare you. And you'll be saved. Okay? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm going to uh, conclude that. Just a, a few concluding thoughts here just to wrap this up. Um, so in the middle of the section where we're asking the question, what then with Israel comes the celebration of our salvation, which is ours through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, so in the course and in the course of our lives, we will debate the place of Israel in the people of God. Israel in the people of God. Or maybe our place in Israel. Chapter 11. You're grafted into their root, not vice versa, okay? So there's that kind of conversation coming up, okay? But in the middle of all that, let's settle one thing, and may it bring peace to your soul. The end, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. That counts for you. Jew, Greek, Mennonite, I don't care. Paul doesn't care. Christ is the end of the law to everyone who believes. Uh, for everyone who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ inspire every one of your conversations. I want to conclude with the, with the statement, the prayer of, uh, of Paul at the end of chapter 11. Why don't we stand again as I read this and pray for you, and then I'll be done. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 to 36. This is how he ends that whole section. Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him that he would be paid, that it would be paid back to him? For from him and through him and back to him are all things to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, uh, we come to church on Sunday morning with all kinds of questions that have come up during the week. Some of our questions are linked to Paul's questions. But every one of us has these questions about our own uh, place in the people of God. And I pray that that's one thing we'd be able to settle, that we'd come to Christ by faith and find you to be the king the Lord uh, over the universe and we submit ourselves to you in faith. Lord, take us and use us and God, teach us to speak your name out loud and use that also as a seed of salvation in the next person, that the gospel may go out because the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who will believe. So cause us to believe deeply and cause us to share generously this gift, this generous gift of salvation that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.